Welcome to The Edge of Fact, the podcast where we explore the intersection of human stories and business success. I'm your host, Carolyn Crawford, and I'm thrilled to have you join me as we explore the minds of entrepreneurs, marketers, and visionaries who have mastered the art of alchemizing their personal journeys into their business success and learn how you can apply what they've learned to your own business. So whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply someone fascinated by the power of human stories, The Edge Effect is here to offer you insights, inspiration, and a fresh perspective on what it truly means to make your mark in the world. Get ready to be moved, motivated, and challenged as we embark on this incredible journey together. So let's begin. I'm Carolyn Crawford, and this is The Edge Effect. Hello, everyone. I am with the wonderful April Lokar, founder of Semi-Conventional, where she helps feminist entrepreneurs amplify their expertise with scalable offers. April, welcome. I'm so excited to learn more about you. Hi, yeah. Thanks for having me. So glad to be here. Awesome. Okay, so I want to dive. Obviously, we're going to get into Semi-Conventional and, of course, your your story and the story behind your brand. But can you share a little bit about your background first? Absolutely. The shortest version, I think, is I thought I was going to be a teacher. And so I went to school for my credential, got that all covered, got my master's in education, and then I graduated right before the last recession. And so finding a job was really tough. And I really quickly learned I hated substitute teaching. So I pivoted into corporate training, which was kind of the best of both worlds for me. I had worked office jobs and liked them and that sort of thing. So being able to teach adults in their workplace and still have a little bit of flexibility and not just be stuck in a classroom all day was really, really fun. So I stuck with corporate training and I have been doing that for I don't know, 16 years, something like that. (laughs) Amazing. How did you kind of what, if you don't mind me asking, like what kind of drew you to teaching and why were you, did you feel so drawn to the corporate side? Yeah. With teaching, I was like the nerdy student that loved being in school. And I always like wanted extra workbooks because I would finish my work early. And so I was like that annoying kid. And so I always really liked teaching and like my sister and I would play school when we had free time when we were kids. And, you know, so that was always just part of something I really liked. I think that all just made sense to me. School made sense to me in the very traditional way that things were taught. And so for me, teaching just always felt like, oh yeah, that's a great thing that I would want to do. I took a couple of detours with, you know, thinking I wanted to be a nurse for a little while and then maybe a landscape architect, which was weird, but I have all these plants back here. So that kind of makes sense now. (laughs) But, But yeah, teaching was always something that I was really interested in. And so, you know, when, when that seemed like it wasn't really working out and I had gotten to that point, I finally have everything I need. But now I'm seeing kind of the ins and outs of public education. And I don't really support a lot of things happening within that system. And then it was hard to find a job. And it was like, "Mm, I think I need to try something else for a minute. And, you know, corporate training sort of fell into my lap a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it it really was a a good fit. That's amazing. So then how did semi-conventional come to be? Yeah. So through my corporate career, I had been laid off twice. First time is super scary. And, you know, I thought I would be with this company forever. I still had like that delusional vision of I could work for the same company my entire career. 
I now see that that's a bad idea, (laughs) but I had been laid off and that was really, really scary. And so I kind of had to choose, do I want to keep staying in corporate? Do I want to go back to public education? And I chose to stick with corporate, but through a series of kind of other moves in my corporate career and then COVID happened and I had gotten laid off again. And the second time was actually kind of a relief because the company I was with, I was only there for five months. I already knew it wasn't a place I wanted to stay. And so in that second layoff, when I had, you know, the financial means to take my time and be able to sit there and kind of stew over what I wanted to do, I knew that I needed something that was just mine and not controlled by anyone else. And so that's kind of where a having a business was realistic and something that I knew I actually needed to do. But then B, I started to really think through, okay, what do I want to do? So I spent probably six months, you know, while we were all stuck at home during the pandemic with my husband and my kids and our brand new puppy that, because we're those people. So you know, we did all of those things and I'm sitting here going, okay, what can I do with the skills that I know that I have from all of these other experiences? And how can I help other people in a way that other managers and people have helped me along the way? So that's kind of where I decided to start from. That's amazing. I love that. And and that's always, always why I like to ask about people's backgrounds and just sort of an evolution because there's always a trigger point. Some people have like a fantastic idea. Some people are like, I don't know, but I need to do something. And so I really appreciate that you basically consolidated your experience, but put it into something that you could productize, put it into something that could help a lot of people. So that's amazing. So I'm curious when, how did you come up with the concept of semi-conventional? And if you can, please, can you explain a little bit about what actually you do, what semi-conventional is all about? Yeah, absolutely. So semi-conventional is really the idea behind everything that I do, because through all of our time together, my husband and I have sort of developed this very non-traditional way of doing things. You know, we don't really abide by the typical gender roles in a marriage and, you know, we kind of just do things our own little way, which has kind of been my career as well. Uh, you know, through through all of my corporate jobs, you know, I've kind of worked within that system, but I'm like, mm, but I kind of need to push because this, this other thing really feels like something that should happen. Um, so I always kind of find a way to like do something a little outside the box. So semi-conventional is kind of the name behind everything that I knew I wanted to do. And so that's kind of morphed a little bit over time. It started off as, you know, hey, in the corporate world, I've given a lot of presentations and helped people with a lot of presentations. So I started off with presentation coaching and that kind of wasn't exactly the thing. And so I've morphed it a little bit along the way. But really what it comes down to now is the way that I say it is helping typically feminist entrepreneurs to amplify their expertise because that is, I think, the hardest thing for people that have just been in their work, whether that's in corporate or they decided to start their own business. We all have so much expertise, whether it's apparent to us or not. And 
when we're really trying to market our skills and what we do, oftentimes other people can see in us what we can't see in ourselves. And so being able to pull kind of the those areas of expertise out is something that others have helped me do in the past, which has helped me number one in my corporate career, you know, like triple my salary from what I was making when I first started to, you know, in my own business, being able to market my skill set and say, hey, I can help you with strategy around your expertise and strategy around your offers in your business. You know, so as I'm working with clients, they're typically people in service or knowledge-based businesses and they have a business of their own and they either have all these ideas that they need clarity on, or they know that they want to, you know, get more visible, make a course, do a keynote or a masterclass, but they just kind of need that support to be able to do it. So that's really where I come in and help them to scale those offers, you know, take them out of just doing one-on-one and coaching and things like that and say, hey, you can do this at a bigger scale. So let's put something in place around that. So it's it's really bespoke to the person, but those are kind of the lanes that I tend to to work with them in. That's a, that's really fantastic because one, I know just kind of the seat that I sit in of people, a lot of the times the hardest part about marketing is that we don't actually know what we want to do. Like it's very, yeah. <laughs> it's very difficult to convey and articulate it to someone and not come off so salesy, not come off dry. Like yeah. there's all this right. like art that kind of it, like science yeah. that kind of happens behind <laughs> the scenes. And yeah. so I think similarly to what you're saying, right. Of like, and I love how you put it is like, we so often we need people to reflect back on us like because they see things in us that we don't see ourselves so I think that's an extremely important sentiment and I appreciate you you sharing that because it's so true one regardless it doesn't even matter what specifically you may be struggling with but also the fact that like I think, and I've struggled with this. Like I've gone through multiple identity crises since starting my business of like, yes. like, okay, but what do I, like, I know what I do. I haven't strayed away from that, but like, what do I do? You know what I mean? And yeah. like, how do yeah. I really amplify that? And I love the, the use of the word amplify and what you, you said. So I think it's absolutely necessary and, and it's yeah. probably one of the hardest parts. And I think once you get, it's like a domino effect. Like once you get that one, yeah. everything else kind of falls into place because then it all makes sense. And something yeah. that you said about your name, semi-conventional, I think what I love about it is that it has meaning behind it, but no matter what at the core, it's like, it's always sharing your core message. So everything that you do, it's all going to make sense. So I yeah, really yeah. That. Can you, can I ask, how did you decide, because you specifically mentioned female entrepreneurs, how did you decide that was the niche you wanted to follow and, and what's kind of your approach and how is that different, differing from kind of even your background and how you taught people and leverage the skill sets that you have? Yeah, I think I almost always knew that in some way I wanted to work with women because Through, excuse me, because throughout my 
career in corporate roles. I've worked in a lot of very male dominant uh, companies or industries, and I've worked in a lot of different industries, but a lot of times there's just a lot of men in the room. And it wasn't until I had one boss who was a, a man and we're still friends to this day, but he really helped me to see hey, these things that you think are really simple and straightforward, that's a huge skill set that you have. So don't underestimate what you think is simple. And so that always really stuck with me. And I see it time and time again through all of my corporate roles. And then, you know, working with entrepreneurs is typically it's women who don't have that confidence behind what they do. And so that's really where, you know, I think it's super valuable to work with that niche of, of women and make sure that they know their value. They know their skill set and they know how to market that skill set. Because, you know, again, if we are working on something, a lot of times we see hey, I know I can do these things, but other people can see like, oh my gosh, that's so valuable. And oh, that's such a great thing that they're doing. But we don't necessarily see that same magnitude of it within ourselves. So that's that's kind of how I came to work with the clients that I'm working with, because I think they just need the the most support in making sure that they can get what they're doing front of mind, easy to say and communicate that with who they're working with. Yeah. And I think too, I think a lot of women can relate to this and I know I can of like, I, I, my background has been in predominantly male. I mean, marketing is predominantly male in many ways. Although I, ironically, I've also worked some of my, like my favorite marketers have always been, uh, I mean, actually it's, it's a mixed bag, but (laughs) all like female, (laughs) like all females and everything like that. Like Especially yeah. depending on what it is. I think that there's yeah. a, I think I see more females in certain roles than I see men and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, it, and so it's always interesting to know why people choose a niche that, you know, is focused on females or even men, you know, I've seen that as yeah. well too. So I think too, for what I appreciate that you're saying of like, it is very, especially there's so many industries that are male dominated, I think. So it's very easy to kind of get lost in the sauce of it all, if you will, of like, okay, what am I, what am I doing? Why am I special here? What, what's going on? And so you always need more people who, who can be like, okay, well, this is it. And I appreciate that you actually had a male boss who said that and who was was kind of pioneering that for you and in in some ways. So that's incredible. Can you share a little bit, like, what do you think the challenges are for, especially in this niche, just talking about like female entrepreneurs, what do you think the challenges have been for them when it comes to, you know, why, like, why do you feel that what they do is clouded or why do you think that they need someone like you? Like, what are, are there any common challenges or experiences that they're having that you sort of see over and over again? Yeah. I mean, I think the challenges tend to stem from, yeah, I guess I would say the challenges typically are surrounding their previous experiences and, you know, 
it it's all of the upbringing that you know most of us have at least in the united states of you know typically it's you know male dominated typically it's you know men are out there working men are the executives and so i think a lot of the challenges really stem around you know hey i know i have this gift i know i have this genius you know i know that i'm really good at these things and I just don't know how to show everyone else that I'm good at it as well. So, you know, a lot of times it's that mindset that we need to have it all figured out in order to share it with people. And so that's where, you know, having kind of groups of other like biz besties and that sort of thing really helps, but we don't always have that. Um, And so not everybody has like that little group of support to bounce ideas off of. And, you know, that was the, the gap that I was starting to see is a lot of times we're sitting here thinking like, Hey, I'm either really new in my business or I've been in my business, but I'm kind of doing it all on my own. And I don't have someone to like bounce these ideas off of. And now I'm doing all this one-on-one work and I'm, you know, maybe not overwhelmed, but I'm really busy. And so I don't quite have the time to sit here and, you know, clear my calendar and look at the strategy and make all these choices to, to make sure that my business is more scalable. So we kind of get stuck in that hamster wheel of like, okay, I need to do the one-on-one stuff because that's what I've been doing. And you kind of keep going with it, but then it's taking all your time. And so I think a lot of that, that problem is just booking up our calendars and not having the space and the capacity to look at the bigger strategy and to look at, hey, what other types of offers can I put out there that get my clients what they need and are scalable and feel good to me and feel aligned with what I enjoy doing, but also serve them. And so sometimes it's really just about getting that strategy together and then they have that clarity and then they can go execute it. You know, I mean, the people that I'm working with, they're very intelligent women. They're very clear on what they do they just kind of need to take that pause and take that moment figure out the strategy around it and then say oh okay now I can go do it and now I have space on my calendar to be able to do all the things I want to do which is often why we started a business to begin with for sure yeah I think what I love about that is I mean one I think you're 100% right like it is kind of all the outside world that clouds who we are clouds us our ability to see who we are and especially when you're in entrepreneurship and I'm curious like I'm curious to know your perspective on this but like at least from mine and from what I've heard from others it's like you are it is lonely it is really difficult to navigate on your own there aren't many people that you can bounce ideas off of or vent to or whatever even if you have a team it's lonely you know yeah. So I find it interesting that like, I mean, that is really the space that you're providing them of being like, no, I'm here. Like I'm here to see you and hear you if what, if what yeah. you need. And I think that's extremely important and necessary for someone to have. I'm curious, can you share a little bit about like your process? I know you mentioned like, sometimes we, the clarity comes after deal, talk, like working through the strategy. Can you share a little bit about how that actually works like how do you actually uncover their clarity yeah I think the that was a big thing for me was realizing 
kind of how my brain works, you know, through my corporate roles, being able to listen to what people are saying and, you know, essentially like the brainstorm, the word vomit, the, you know, whatever you want to call it, but we all like go off on these ideas and like, oh, wouldn't it be great if like we did this and then we could do that. But I also kind of want to do this, but the even bigger picture is that. And so sometimes, you know, it's really easy for us to like get all those ideas out there, but then what do we do with it is kind of the problem. And so I've talked to so many people that have like a Google doc that has all these like random ideas in it. Right. And, or have they have, seen, have you been looking at my notes? Apps <laughs> <on> my phone? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. You have somewhere where you just have like these ideas. Mine's in my, in my notes on my phone right now and a Google doc. Yeah, uh, like it's everywhere. So, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not necessarily even one place. Right. But you have all these ideas and you're like, okay, I, I, like, cause I'm a lot of times, right, the best ideas are when you're on the go or you're driving or you're in the shower and you're like, oh, let me type this up real fast so I don't forget it. And so my skill set is to be able to look at all of those and like listen to all the ideas and get to the point really quickly and say, oh, so it sounds like you really just want to do these things. And okay, now let's talk about how we get there with what you already have and that sort of thing. So, you know, the, the the thing that I realized the other day is a lot of what I do with my clients is, you know, it's kind of like brainstorm and it's, it's a little bit strategy, but it's also a little bit woo where, where it's kind of just like trusting the process and like it, it all works out by the time we're done. But, you know, I've, I've done that in 45 minute sessions where people are like, Hey, I just need to figure out what's my networking pitch. Like what's my one liner how I introduce myself to people. And we like get there in 45 minutes on the dot right. with this is what they need to say because it's also so clear once they start doing it. But I think a big part of that is my background. I just think words matter so much and like the specific words you choose in everything that you're doing makes such a big difference. And so my role in the process with my clients is often you know, kind of spitballing like different word choice to identify what it is they want to do, what direction they want to go. You know, sometimes they're thinking, oh, I need a course. And I say, okay, a course can be a lot of things. So let's talk about what that means for you. Is it a program? Are there live components? Is it digital only? Is it you on video? Is it audio? So we're kind of like nitpicking those little pieces because we use these words as though they're interchangeable but they're not always. And so sometimes it's just that outside perspective and asking some really good questions to, to get my clients to a point where they're like, oh no, okay, that makes so much more sense now. And then they have a really clear direction on where they want to go. For sure. And I think all copywriters that may listen to this are going yeah. to just rejoice <laughs> by everything that you just said. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, it's true how you communicate matters. And I would say yeah. people communicate in different ways. So for those who really do struggle with words, it's yeah. okay. Like, I just want to kind of put that out there. Like, it's yeah, for sure. That. But I think one of the things that I appreciate that you use in your messaging is you say you, you phrase it as, and I correct me, please, if I'm butchering this, you phrase it as spoken image. And yeah. I think that was a really interesting take on it because 
you can identify like kind of jumping into sort of like the brand and marketing of it all of like your brand is the visual image of who you yeah. are, who your business is, whatever, right? Absolutely. Spoken image, you can you can argue what exactly, I guess, that really entails. But I think, and again, always correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. like, I think you're not, you're, it's not even, it's less about the specific words on the page, but it's like how they convey themselves to the outside world, right? And how, and really, yeah. I would imagine the journey is how they see themselves at the end of the day. So can you share a little bit about like, why did you use that terminology? And cause I think it's really a fascinating term. This, like, again, just to repeat it spoken image because mm-hmm. I've never had it presented in that way. But when I read yeah. it, I was like, Oh, that makes so, so much sense because it, yeah. really is, it really is that. So if you don't mind sharing a little bit of insight into that. Yeah, absolutely. So spoken image was definitely one of those things that I pulled out of, I think some brainstorm I was doing on my own business, but, you know, even for myself, right. It's hard to say like, so what do I do? Like, what do I call myself? Am I a coach, a consultant? What, like, what's the thing that's easy to communicate? Honestly, I'm still not even there, but what we do for others, we can't always do for ourselves. (laughs) can't do it for myself something cobbler shoes whatever that saying is yes one person knows what the saying is but they we mentioned a cobbler and shoes (laughs) and everyone knows what we're talking about so right exactly yeah yeah like a contractor's house typically is the one that needs like all the improvements right all that marketer who does not market (laughs) yeah yeah exactly but yeah so spoken image was the thing that I kind of came up with to to say like it's everything really about you right there isn't a right or wrong it's not oh i need to improve this oh i need to do that better it's who are you when you speak to your clients when you go live on instagram when you record a video when you do any of those things you know if you're giving a presentation at a conference or speaking at a keynote or doing a masterclass or a webinar or whatever it is, right? We are often speaking differently than how we write copy. And oftentimes we're not even writing our own copy, right? We're hiring a copywriter and they're trying to use our brand voice. So your your spoken image is different than your written image. It's different than your visual image. They all work together, right? In your brand, but taking the time to think about what is my spoken image? Do I talk fast? That's fine. If you talk fast, right? Like I have tips on different things for, for different occasions, but you know, some people talk really fast. Some people are more calm and reserved. I mean, like if you just look at the difference between how like Alicia Keys speaks versus, I don't know, anyone else, (laughs) a Tony Robbins or something, right? Like they're very different in how they're speaking and that's just who they are. So I think the spoken image piece is just one more thing to consider. And I mean, truthfully to capitalize off of because that's you and just having some awareness around it makes a big difference in how you're using your spoken image. I really love how you laid everything out into all the way, like how how versatile the spoken image is. Because again, we're talking about it almost as though it's one thing, but it's not. 
It yeah. is exactly what you just said. It is who you are. And again, it can go, you can argue, you know, your brand is who you are visually. And just as like one comparison to that. Right. Right. But what I love is that like the way that you speak about yourself, one, you even called it out. It's different than how you would put it on a page. Copywriting yeah. is a very different art because how people read is different than how they speak. That's why speaking yeah. like there's a little bit more freedom with speaking. Yeah. But to your point, it's why, right? it's why phone calls and text messages are different, right? You can right. say the same thing, but it's, it's got a different vibe to it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Perfect example. And I yeah. think too, right? Like how someone speak, I'm curious to know your thoughts on this. Like how someone speaks in a presentation is different than how they're going to speak on social media. And I'm curious to know from your perspective, like when you're again, just talking about this concept of spoken image, like how do you see that them, their authenticity come to play in these different arenas? Yeah. I love that you brought that up because that's actually a big journey that I've gone on through my career and actually in my business, you know, like I said, my first thing I started off with was like presentation coaching, which I realized was not like the thing because most people just wanted me to make them slides. And I'm actually, that's a whole other story, but, but the spoken image piece of that, I feel like so many people, when you go and do a presentation, we've all done it. You kind of like oh, okay, like you sort of like put on this little mask of like, oh, I need to be professional now. And oh, now I'm in a presentation with a bunch of people or, oh, I'm standing on a stage. So now I have to like look and feel a certain way. And really the best presentations are when you are just you and you're your authentic self. And there isn't that like little barrier of professionalism. So, I mean, I even wrote a blog post about that. Why like professional is like, not a thing that you need to be worried about anymore because I think so many people who are really successful either as speakers or in their business and you know they they do a good job of getting people drawn into their kind of visual or spoken content I think so many of them really are kind of the same person no matter where you hear them if you hear them on a podcast they sound like themselves if you see them in a TED talk, they sort of sound like the same person. If you see them go live on social media, they're also kind of the same person, you know? So in any setting, if you can really be who you are as much as possible, right? Like we do get nerves and some situations require a little more formality, but all in all, I think being the same person and, and really listening to that little voice inside uh, of like, this is how I like to talk and this is who I am. This is my spoken image. I think that is a really great place to get to. So that's again, like when I'm working with clients on, you know, speaking opportunities and things like that, it's, Hey, let's be yourself. Let's get it to a point where you're not over rehearsed, where you're just sort of talking. And, and I think that's where it really all comes together to, to just be who you are and, and not have like, that extra little professional look, right? For sure. And and yeah, like you said, just to boil it all down, just embracing your authenticity a hundred percent. And I think it's so hard because again, it's so vulnerable to speak to someone, to talk about yourself. There's all, yeah. you know, 
there's just, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole of all the things that come to <laughs> mind. You know what I mean? But it's just like, it's yeah. just so vulnerable. And that's why marketing is so difficult because yeah. it's all of that. You're basically like, yes, please judge me. And then also yes. please, hopefully you pay, pay my bills. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, right. Right. So yeah. much that comes with it. And so, and you know, I also too think authenticity is not a new concept within marketing and embracing your authenticity yeah. is not a new concept, but I think what I've experienced and I'm curious to know your thoughts on this is that a lot of people who are trying to be more comfortable with marketing, with talking about themselves, talking about their business, they, they really like authenticity, like that term and that concept is overused. And then yeah. it almost has become too cliche that no one's like, yes. how, I don't know what that even means anymore. Yeah. And so I wanted to call that out only because mm -hmm. it's, even though it sounds so overused and cliche, it is exactly what it is. Like you just need yeah. to be your authentic self and yeah. the thing that's going to set you apart. And I talk about this a lot on the podcast and just in general and within my business of like, the thing that's going to make you competitive is yourself, is your story. Yeah. And like, even why the right. edge effect was created was because every business is a platform for a human story. And like that yeah. really- is what it boils down to, but that story can't come to life if you're hiding behind something, if you're over rehearsing, if you're, and I, and I do want to touch and you said this too, right? Like kind of just touching on like the over rehearsing or like scripted or whatever. Yeah. What's your advice for people who are like, well, I'm too nervous to not have, to not be reading off something. I'm too nervous to not follow kind of structure because I'm someone who's like loose. Like I, if I, if it's too structured, I'm like, I can't work with it, but if yeah. it's, but I've also worked with people who are like, I need a script. Like I need to have something yeah. there. So what's kind of your advice for people who do that, but can't, but also need to still make sure that they are maintaining their authenticity. Yeah. I think the, the biggest tip that I have for anyone when it comes to speaking and and really I guess just your spoken image in general right whether that's hey I'm posting a video on social media maybe I'm just making a reel some people really like to have that written out they like to have it scripted I go back and forth on it honestly sometimes if I like really know what I want to say I'll type it out but the key is to type it out how you speak and so that is I think the the first really helpful thing if you like to have something really written out for you to read from at least typing it like you speak it is going to help you massively right because again the way we write and the way we speak aren't always the same and so sometimes we're a little more formal in our writing or the other way around and so no matter how it, you speak in general writing out your script in the same way that you're talking so if you're going to write something out say it out loud first before you press record or before you get on a stage. But especially if you're practicing for like a presentation, I really, really encourage people. And this is how, what I work on with my clients is we really detail their outline of what they're going to talk about, right? You should have like one main goal that you want your audience to take away from that talk. Then break down a couple of the key points, like no more than three. Right. Three key points is really all you need. If it's bigger than that, your topic's too big. Um, and so breaking it down into those components, then when you go to rehearse, it's a matter of speaking this out loud to yourself. And this is something that 
somebody trained me on a long time ago. I honestly can't even remember her name, but she came into a corporate job that I had and taught us how to like teach this class that she created. And she said, the way I want you to rehearse is you're going to say, first, I'm going to introduce myself and then I'm going to tell this story. And then we're going to go into this activity and then we're going to do this thing. So it was really just like verbalizing. These are the things we're going to do. And then if there was something super important to say, say that as part of your rehearsal, but don't script everything because then when someone asks a question at the wrong time or interrupts you or the tech's not working and you get off track, it really flusters you. So it like adds to that anxiety. So if you're really breaking it down as rehearsing in those chunks of just, Hey, here's what we're going to talk about. And yeah, you can rehearse what you're going to say, but don't get stuck on it. Don't get so stuck that it's a script because then that adds to your anxiety of now I have to memorize my lines essentially. Right. And unless you're an actor, I don't recommend that even actors ad lib right from time to time. So, so I, I really think it's like breaking it down in those chunks and rehearsing the high level rather than every single thing that you're going to say, because I, I do think that's the hardest part is getting too in the weeds on, you know, these are all the specific things I need to say. And then the last thing I'll add to that is usually when my clients feel like they don't really like being visible, they don't want to get up there and talk. They don't like being on camera, posting videos, posting reels, things like that. It's usually due to, you know, oh, I just don't like this or, oh, I don't like how I sound or, oh, I need a script. Typically it boils down to just fear of judgment right? I mean, like you said, marketing is like, Hey, come judge me. And, and that's really what it is. But I always like to remind them that most of us don't spend that much time nitpicking other people. Right. I mean, if you do, that's a whole other thing and that's a different conversation, we but most, <laughs> yeah, but most of us don't sit there and say like, Oh, this speaker on stage at, at this Ted talk that I'm watching, like, Oh man, like her belt is awful and her shoes are the work. Like we're not thinking that, right. Mm -hmm. If somebody makes a mistake in their presentation, as long as they keep rolling with it and they don't like get stuck on it, it's not that big a deal. You probably forgot about it 10 seconds right. later. So as like putting yourself in that other position of like, how often do I really judge other people? Maybe for a second, but then you move on and like, you're not worried about it. So just trying to remind ourselves of that, because I think that's the biggest barrier for a lot of people is like you said, that fear of judgment, you know, like, Hey, come judge me. I'm marketing. I'm out here. I'm putting myself out here and it is scary, but I think it's one of those things we just need to remember how much we judge other people. And I think it helps all the way around. Yeah, I think that's such great advice because, and I really appreciate you breaking it down, one, in such an actionable way that people who are going to listen to this are going to say, like, really be able to take that advice and put it into action immediately. Another thing too, just to kind of go back to what you're saying of like, the structure that the the woman who came to your office and, and talked about, it's like, I like for me, I like to outline how what I'm going to say again, kind of make a note of like what points I'm trying to hit. And it, yeah. as you were talking, it reminded me I was listening to an interview. I forget who it was, but they were taught it was an actor talking about a show. And I think it is either related to like some improv show and, or like SNL or something like that. Uh -huh. Improv in general, right? Like the goal 
all they they're working off of are beats. They basically have beats, aka touch points, notes, or key takeaways that they want to make sure that they hit for each one. Right. Everything else is unscripted. Everything else, the everything else is fair game. Like they don't know what's yeah. gonna come out of their mouth, kind of thing. And so right. I think that's like a, a I just wanted to share that because that's one, it's a very common thing to do. This is not just mm-hmm. about business. Like yeah. if you are someone who is about to speak or is about to, you know, even if you're doing, I would imagine, even if you're doing a course, right? You can't be reading yeah. a script and filming your course or whatever that is, right? So you have to yeah. essentially just to put it in a different perspective there. So yeah. I think that's really yeah. interesting. So talking specifically about you and your brand and semi-conventional, like how did what did you envision for semi-conventional and how do you kind of incorporate sort of things like how did you how did you come up with your own spoken image? Yeah, so that that is an interesting question. Again, the things we do for others, we don't always do for ourselves. <laughs> but for me, I think it's really been a journey through my career of realizing the the more I kept stuff in into myself and didn't, you know, say the things that I want to say and I it, I wasn't just the the outspoken person. It it really started to get to me over time. So, you know, while I may have like ruffled feathers here or there in my corporate jobs, just depending on who I was working with, you know, I'm always very diplomatic and, and very adaptable and very open and all of those types of things. But for me, the, the spoken image was really just say what's on your mind, because if I don't, I'll just keep thinking about it. And then I get in my head and then it it doesn't feel true to who I am. So, so that spoken image for me has, has really come out to, to be just say what you're thinking and it's, it'll be all right. <laughs> I appreciate that because it's, it really is one, it kind of just goes to show everything that you instill in your clients and in your brand of like, this is who I am. And yeah. You're like, I'm not trying to be this flashy person that I'm not or whatever. You know what I mean? It's not, it doesn't even matter. Like what, it doesn't even matter at the end of the day, like who you are, as long as you are who you are and what you share, what's on your mind. And so, and that's exactly what your business needs to be about. So I'm curious to know, like, how do you sort of implement all of that? What kind of marketing are you doing and how have you taken, put your own spin on these things? Yeah. So with my own marketing, it's, it's been a lot of trying to be more consistent on social media because that is, I think the, the biggest opportunity for small businesses, solopreneurs, you know, we have essentially the world at our fingertips, right. With social media. I know you talk about like all the other things that are marketing, which I think are so good to dive into, And at the surface, you know, all of that feeds into what we can do on social media. So that's really been my big push with my limited time that I give myself to focus on marketing. And I think for me, the biggest realization has been, you know, I've tried making all different types of content, but the stuff that tends to do the best is literally me talking into the camera. <laughs> so, so that's kind of where, you know, it's, it's funny that we've, we've spent time talking about the spoken image because 
it's so much of testing and trying and tweaking and testing some more, right? And and yeah, when I look back at like all of my content that I have around marketing, you know, all the stuff that does the best is me talking on camera. So it's not finding the trending audio. It's not, you know, writing the best caption. It's literally just like, hey, get on camera, press record, say something that you're thinking about. And like those tend to do the best out of anything else and bring the most followers and, you know, potential clients and get people into DMs and stuff like that. So generally speaking from a marketing standpoint, I think for me, that's been the most successful is just like, Hey, get out there and talk. That's why I'm trying to do more podcasts. (laughs) Well, I love that because it's, it's so true and it's just so, it's just so honest. And I think, I think that like, just to give perspective, right. There are people out there who do a phenomenal job at their own marketing in a way that feels very authentic, even though technically it's very different from maybe who they are. Yeah. They're, they also, I can probably guarantee are offering something different. Their brand is <laughs> something different. Their business is something different for you just yeah. to use you as an example, your brand probably if I can make this assumption and please correct me if I'm wrong thrives on the personal connections that you make with your clients and so Absolutely. you if I was talking to you and you are like all you were I don't even know how like a good way to describe it but you were like super crazy high energy super like all of these things or whatever it, like I'm butchering this entire example <laughs> Like basically like you were being something that you weren't organically, like you were using all of your energy to make the sale, quote unquote. Yes. And then when we finally got to working together and you were just completely monotone or like, you know what I mean? Just as like one complete extreme sort of example. Exactly. That's, you know, that's jarring for some people. And that's why like not even to just market yourself to try to get sales it's extremely important to be authentic so that way you're also sharing the experience that someone's gonna like I think if anyone who listens to this podcast and people who know how I work and also my team like it's the same whether that's a good thing or a bad thing I'll leave to that (laughs) you know it's like but it's like it's always the same and I think you have and I think that plays and to the consistency piece too, like if yes. you keep trying to structure it, if you keep trying to create this cookie cutter thing and it's so hard to do because you just yeah. need to get something out there. You want it to be polished. I come into this trap often, but yeah. you know, it's, I think everything that you're saying, it makes so much sense and it's just, it's just so real. And I think I know even just from talking to you now and watch and following you on social media, like I know the kind of experience I'm going to get. From working with yeah. you and and that is something that you can't put into words no no i think only yeah through. that's that's such a good point that you make too where you know if you're spending all this energy to like look a certain way on your you know online Very presence cool. but yeah. then but then that's not really who you are. Like it's going to have that disconnect when people are actually working with you and you know yeah to your point so much of what I do, it is connections and relationship-based and referrals and just like widening that network of people because, you know, right or wrong, you are who you are. Right. And and like, like you said, it's, 
it's really a matter of, um, I, I, I kind of lost exactly what you said, but, but really just like being who you are, like that is who you are. And, you know, not, a, maybe not everybody's going to like it and that's okay. They're not your clients, right? <laughs> the, the people that, that mesh with that energy and the personality that you bring and, you know, the way that you work, that's who you're speaking to. Right. So it's, right. Like you said, it's it's hard to emulate that in something other than just, hey, th- this is who I am, like, take it or leave it. And hopefully that works for you. And if not, I can refer you to someone else and that's okay. <laughs> well, I think you make a really good point of like, y- you're like, you're not like marketing is yes. Okay. Right. Like it's basically there to help you get like grow your business in a way that doesn't always rely on you de- like emailing indivi- an individual every single time. And you know what I right. mean? Like it's there to help get the word out there. So that way people become more familiar with you. But if you, as you embrace your authenticity with it, no matter the channel that you're using, it really doesn't even matter if you're on social or email or networking yeah. or whatever it is it really boils down to how, what you're saying and how you're saying it resonates with the person you want to be working with. Yeah. And that you can't really predict because you, you may have an ideal customer profile in mind. You don't actually know yeah. the person who they're going to be and what they're going to be like. So right, uh, right. I just wanted to call that sentiment out. So, okay. Yeah. Before I let you go, I have a couple more questions. One, what has yeah. been your biggest challenge thus far? Ooh, biggest challenge I would say is consistency on social media, you know, be, being able to it. like, Uh, I know, (laughs) but being able to like find that rhythm of like, let me share what I want to share, but not get sucked into it, but also build a community and be in community with other people by commenting on their stuff and engaging. So finding that balance, I think is the challenge of our day, <laughs> but, but it's definitely fast. the, the consistency. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're really not alone in it. And I struggle, like I said, I'm a marketer who hates marketing. Like I just, yeah. like, I love it for others. Yeah. Right. <laughs> for myself. I'm like, Oh my God, I hate that. But I think consistency is probably the number one thing. Anytime I'm talking to someone new, yeah. even, even on this podcast, people I've spoken with, I'm like, what's been the challenge. So many people have said consistency and it's because yeah. It's because also too, you know, I, and I'm curious to know your experience with this, like you're embracing your authenticity. Okay. Like it's so much easier said than done, at least for me. Like, I'm like, what do I really want to share? Like, what do I, like, I've actually had to very slowly unfold all the layers to try to, and I'm still figuring it out. So curious to know your thoughts on that and like how you're trying to combat that and like potentially what speed bumps keep getting in the way. Yeah, I think the I think the biggest speed bump for me is I so I like to just be the same person no matter what platform I'm on, you know, but LinkedIn is a little more formal and you know Instagram is a little more like free flowing and who even knows what type of content does best anywhere anymore. But I think the biggest speed bump for me is 
when I'm just like living my life, oftentimes I'm like, oh, I could tie that into like this thing for my business and not feeling like I'm trying to make everything into some type of content. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I think sometimes it's like, like, stop thinking about it as like, oh, I could post this picture and I could talk about like this and this could be a business post still. And, And just kind of having that brain on all the time and thinking like all my content has to just like be business related. Sometimes it can just be personal and that's okay too. And so I think for me, that speed bump is like getting over that everything that I post has to be a business post, a sales post, uh, you know, something like that. So being able to just kind of share what like, Hey, this is what's going on in life. And that's fine too. I, I mean, that I relate to that so much. And I also think too, I feel like, and let me know if this does not resonate, but I feel like what we struggle to look for, and I'm including you in this, we, and myself in this, we, and I think a lot of other people in this, we, we think that some of these like standard moments, the things that we are, are worth talking about, like they almost like don't come often enough. Right. And so therefore it's really hard to like keep go like going down, keeping up with yeah. that schedule and things like that. Right. But like, and I caught like really on the in-between, like all these moments and I like to call them marketable moments. The trick is real uh, to marketing is really identifying that each moment can be a marketable moment each mo- and it doesn't yeah. matter and it's all about that's when it falls back to your brand like for yeah. like financial services firms like maybe it's not appropriate for them to like showcase what they're eating for lunch or something you know what i mean right. but like yeah it doesn't it's it doesn't matter i think it's like about it's just really just about acknowledging the small moments in between mm-hmm. Yeah, equally as much as you would acknowledge the big moments, because everything that you do with the small moments leads up to how successful the big moments can be. And that is yeah. the cycle. So yeah, so. for sure. Okay, what is one piece of advice that you would give to new business owners? To new business owners, find other people that you can talk business with, (laughs) whether they're at your same level of business or farther along, it doesn't matter, but find someone that you community. yeah, find, find your community, find your people that you like to talk about business with because it's, it's so necessary whether it's an online community or otherwise, like try some things out. Yeah. Pay, pay for some of the networking memberships and just test it out. I mean, in my experience, those have been better than any of the free ones, but, but like find your people somewhere that you can like have community with around business because, you know, it's so, it's so easy again to feel like I'm doing this all by myself and you are, and that's the, that's the truth of it. You are doing this by yourself, but you know, you want to be able to find some people that you can chat with some people that like are going through similar things or have gone through similar things and not being afraid to say I'm new at this. Cause I think so, so often, you know, it's so easy for us to be like, no, I've been doing this for like eight years. And it's like, have you though? You know, like people can tell. So, you know, we want to seem like, oh, I'm in business. I'm experienced. I'm a pro. You may be a pro at what you do, but maybe you're not a pro at starting a business and that's all right. But like, 
find people. Two very different things. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, April. This has been such a pleasure and we appreciate all your insights. Yeah. Thanks for having me. That's it for this week's episode of The Edge Effect. But the journey doesn't end here. We encourage you to take the lessons learned from our guests and apply them to your own entrepreneurial endeavors. As you navigate the ever-evolving world of branding and marketing, remember that it doesn't have to be overly complex. But communicating your brand effectively is an ongoing journey. It requires continuous refinement, a deep understanding of your audience, and an unwavering commitment to stay true to your story, the unique edge that sets you apart. Stay tuned for future episodes where we continue to unravel the challenges of branding and marketing through the incredible impact of human stories. Until next time, keep embracing the edge, embracing your story, and making a difference through your business. I'm Caroline Crawford, and this has been The Edge Effect.